0: storehouse dallas okay i'm going to talk about the fear of the lord drum roll don't you love the fear of the lord because it is the beginning of wisdom Uh uh-oh what what's going on hold on um last week when we talked about the fear of the lord i got a lot of really good feedback um and I just think it's a it's a now message, and I think it's a lot of what the Lord is doing. And I, uh, Paul Kane, just recently released a word, and he said um, that the next outpouring of the Spirit, um, this latter day uh, harvest, is going to come through a Spirit of the fear of the Lord, and that a Spirit of the fear of the Lord is going to help to set the church in its right mind, in its right place, and its right heart. Amen. Amen. So I was asking the Lord about it, and I was studying this week, and the, and my Bible fell open to Ecclesiastes um, 12, 13, which, you know, I mean, Ecclesiastes, who can't love that, you know, it's your, it's one of the wisdom books, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and um, and it said this, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Now, you know, it's the, it's the very last verse, in Ecclesiastes. Right? It's the very last verse. You've got chapter 12, verse 13, and it's at the end. And so Solomon's already written Proverbs, and now he's written all of Ecclesiastes, and he says this, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all. Okay, well, that pretty much sums it up. You know, I mean, he was kind of concluding, here is the man that walked in so much wisdom that, that you had queens coming to him, traveling hundreds of miles to see Solomon, to sit at his feet because of the wisdom that he was walking in. And this is what he said is the conclusion of it all. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and do what he tells you to do. Fear God and obey him. Fear God and follow his will for your life. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 11.1. 1. By the way. I love the Holy Spirit, and I love his anointing. And sometimes when his anointing is really strong, it makes me shake. So um, if you've never seen anyone shake and preach at the same time, welcome to Storehouse. I'm not on the floor yet. Hey. (laughs) Okay, let's see. Um, Okay, Isaiah 11. Verse 1, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. So he's talking about Jesus. And this is what, these are the, the seven spirits of God that Jesus walked in while he was on the earth. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That's number one. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. That's two and three. The spirit of counsel. And might, four and five. And the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, six and seven. So as Jesus was walking on the earth, he had the seven spirits of God or the seven eyes of God. They're, they're, they're called both in the Bible. And so he walked in the power of these seven spirits. And then he says this. Isaiah says this. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. So you've got these seven spirits. I don't know. I think a lot of them are pretty cool. I'm like, hey, the spirit of the Lord, that sounds really amazing. Wisdom, amazing. Understanding, amazing. Counsel and might. Knowledge. These are the kind of things that you're like, I would love to have this. These are the things I would love to have. And then he says the fear of the Lord, and you're like, eh, you know, whatever. That's good too. But he he says that, Isaiah says that, Jesus' delight is in the fear of the Lord. And so I thought, okay, what does that word mean? What does that word delight mean? And it's very interesting what that word means because it doesn't mean what you think it means. You think delight, like a good thing, like I'm, it makes me happy or it's going to, you know, my heart comes alive or, you know, no. You know, it's not delight yourself in the Lord. It's not that delight. It actually means, the Hebrew means the ruah of God, which means the breath of God. And it's the only place in the word where that word ruah is given and interpreted in the word delight. So I was like, okay, we're going to go to the Septuagint. We're going to look at what it has to say, which is the Greek of the Old Testament, and it's what the New Testament writers read the Old Testament in. So let's see what it said. It said that delight means the breath of God that quickens understanding. So, in summary, it's the prophetic spirit. It's the prophetic spirit. So when he said, when he says this, let's reread it that he will breathe in the fear of God and it will govern his decisions. And we know that because if you look at the very next thing that he says in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 3. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. So this has become a plumb line for him, and it is that the fear of the Lord legislates his eyes and his ears. It connects him and becomes a vertical plumb line to what heaven is saying and what the Father is doing. It sustains him just as your breathing sustains you. I want you to think about that. That as he breathed, so he heard and he saw. That's what the fear of the Lord was for him. It made him so completely sensitive to what the father was doing or saying that he was, it allowed him to completely and fully align himself with the will of the father. Now, Jesus, it says in the New Testament that Jesus only did what he saw his father doing, and he only said what he heard his father saying. And remember, he kept saying over and over to those that have an eye to see and an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. And what did he say about the Pharisees? He called them stiff-necked and that they were dull in their eyes and their ears, so therefore, if we were going to conclude or assume what the, what, what it was as he was trying to say, is that they did not have the fear of the Lord, and those that understood the parables, those that were given understanding, because what happens with this spirit? It is a spirit that quickens understanding. So, why is it prophetically when you begin to tap into the things of heaven that all of a sudden you have an understanding or the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is wisdom? It's not something that's happening on the earth that you could not have concluded in your own strength, but it's something that is given to us from God in order to change the earth. So, I want to talk about our perception of God. And what I said last week is the more comprehensive our awareness of God's goodness, His majesty, the more comprehensive um, that uh, our awareness of His immeasurable power, the greater our capacity for reverence and the fear of the Lord. So I want to talk to you about that because what I've noticed in the body of Christ is kind of a stream, and the things that have you know it's like if you put a frog, you've heard the you know you put a frog and boiling You don't put a frog in boiling water, but you put a frog in regular water and you start turning up the heat and it won't jump out because it slowly begins to get hotter and hotter. And it's the same with deception. Deception doesn't come at you and hit you in the face, but what it does is he will slowly trickle it in and begin to weave it in the web of doctrine within the church in order to cause the church to go to sleep. And you can see and you can test and put a thermometer of how, what the temperature of the church is because you can see what's happening to the culture and the people of the land. And so I would dare to suggest that I think that America has a fever. It's sick because the church is not burning with the fear of the Lord. So the greater our view of God, the more that we understand. The more that we see him rightly, the more that we understand his ways and get into alignment with his ways. And so it's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, guess what? It comes first. The fear of the Lord comes first. His majesty comes first. And then we begin to say, oh, it's a chicken on the egg. I don't know, maybe that wasn't a good metaphor, but sounded good in my head. (laughs) So, his ways are far superior to our ways. His understanding is far superior to our understanding, and even when we don't understand. So, we see him as the God that walks on water, multiplies food, raises the dead, and is alive forevermore. So as we begin to understand the truth of who he is, then our view actually gets higher, our esteem of him gets higher once we begin to truly see him as he is. The thing about the Pharisees in that day is that the Pharisees couldn't see Jesus. And so there was this dual thing that was happening, and I think we can all agree the word says that he was 100% man and he was 100% God, right? Man and God combined, bam, in one body. Um, He he had 100% humanity, 100% divinity. Well, when he was walking on the earth, um, what happened with the Pharisees, and they encountered him time and time again, is that all they could see was his humanity and so they had elevated his humanity above his divinity and jesus spoke to this several times when he said to them in john 5 jesus said to the pharisees if you don't believe my testimony then believe the works that i do i'm telling you who i am but you're not believing me if you don't believe me look at the things that i'm doing look at the miracles that i'm doing it is more than something that a mere man can do it's something that's never been seen on the earth before therefore i'm telling you that i am the one that's standing in front of you but they couldn't get past his humanity therefore they couldn't see and they couldn't hear because they couldn't move past to see the divinity of who he was. So they had elevated his humanity even beyond his divinity, even when they saw him doing all of these miracles. They so much couldn't get past his divinity that remember they continued to take him on in the things that he did that bypassed what they were considering the law in the hour they were like here's the law and he would go through there he and his disciples what are they doing they're picking the heads off the wheat you know and they're like whoa you can't do that it's the sabbath and he's crunching it right in front of them And then he goes over right after, and they're just, I you know, first of all, I'm like, do these Pharisees not have jobs? Because they seem to follow him around a lot. It's like, what? So anyway, there they are again, bam, Pharisees, caught you doing something wrong, Jesus, you know? So again, they said to him, wait, you're healing this guy, you're healing someone on the Sabbath, you're healing. And he finally said to them again, I am Lord of the Sabbath. The one who created the Sabbath is in front of you. Pay attention. Can you not see what I'm doing? And so they continued to uh, question him. Now, there was a difference between what the Pharisees were doing and what Nicodemus was doing. When Nicodemus came to him, he was honestly curious about the divinity of who he was. He was asking Jesus a question he wasn't questioning him when the pharisees came to him and they began to question him show us a sign he's like i'm not showing you a sign you've been walking around following me around for years now you look at the signs look at the look at they testify of who i am but you are so dull in your hearts that you can't see and so they had no fear of god they uh, as i said last week we will fear we will serve what we fear If we fear money, we're going to serve money. If we fear a loss of money, we're going to serve that in self-protection and trying to keep our our self-preservation and trying to keep everything safe, right? If If we fear man, we're going to serve man. We will serve whatever we fear. And so what they feared is they were so tangled up with the law That they couldn't see that the one who made the law was standing right in front of them. And he said, Listen, and this is something that is just my biggest pet peeve. You know, everybody's like, Oh, we're no longer under the law. We're under grace. And I'm like, I'm sorry. That's not what the Bible says. No, we're still under the law, we're under the law of the Spirit. We're under the law of the Spirit, which supersedes the law of sin and death. But we're still under a law. And the thing about a law is that we are in a legal courtroom. When we're under the law of the Spirit, we have the fear of the Lord and are listening and hearing. And our eyes and our ears are sharp. And you know how you can tell if you've stepped away from the fear of the Lord and you've begun to allow something to get higher in fear than that of God is you will begin to get dull in your eyes and your ears. And you'll be like, I can't see, I can't hear. And it's like, okay, what is it that you're serving above God? Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said this, you know, after he's telling them about who he is and all of the works that he's done, he said this, you search the scriptures for in them, you think you have eternal life, but these are they that testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me for life. And so you're trying to get me in a way that I'm no longer revealing myself to you. The beauty of this word, again, this is the testimony of Jesus. This is 4,000 years of the testimony of Jesus, 4,000 years. And so, but he's still testifying. He's still testifying to you. He's still testifying to your life. Every single one of us, he's writing your love letter through your life. And he's looking for a testimony, but that testimony is gonna be a supernatural testimony. Because here's the thing, we long in our hearts to serve the one who is a supernatural God. But when we have elevated his humanity and made him like us, what happens is that's who we serve. We serve someone who is altogether like us. But he even told us, I'm nothing like you. You have to understand. Do not take who I am and bring me down to your level so that I become like a corruptible man. All of creation will reveal who I am. John has to get away, like, I don't know, every three months. He just kind of disappears and does that man thing. He does a man cave thing. You know, he's like, I got to go out and get in nature. And so he goes to the ranch, and and I mean, I, he leaves one way and comes back another. Because creation will testify of the glory of God. All creation will testify of the, of, of the works of the glory of God. And so he could stare at a tree. And he just comes back and he's like, man, I feel so much better. And I'm like, I'm not. You guys know what I'm talking about. All the men are like, yeah, yeah. I know, go look at some trees. In Matthew 16, 13, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I, that the, that I am, that the son of man is? So, so listen to what he's saying. He said about himself, who do people say that I, the son of man, am? And so his disciples answer and say, oh, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're a prophet. And he says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter replies, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And so Jesus said, who do, they, who do they say that the Son of Man is? And Peter, who got it right, said, you are the Son of God. And so Jesus asked about his humanity. And it was Peter that said, I acknowledge your divinity. And in that exchange, he said, blessed are you, and I'm going to change your name. And on this rock, I am going to build my church. I am going to give you the authority to open and shut what no man can shut or open. You will be a doorway for heaven and to descend and ascend to the earth. Oh, Peter, what a cool guy. Later, Peter wrote in 1 Peter, he said this, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here, in fear with holy reverence that we would have the reverential fear of the lord what does god want us to go around scared of him no he said i dwell in unapproachable light but yet you can boldly approach my throne of grace because of the blood of my son and so the glory of god is in all of creation I wanted to show. I'm going to show you guys a video, which I'm really excited about. I posted it on my Facebook page. It's truly amazing. They found like this rainbow bridge in the universe. Now I want to tell you that, and I'm going to read this first before I uh, go to the video. Turning your Bibles to Psalm 8:3, David, who didn't have a telescope, by the way. He's sitting on the earth, and <clears throat> it's like he can see what you can see with your naked eye. And he said this in Psalm 8.3. When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the star which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under your feet, all sheep and oxen, even beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the seas that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. David wrote so beautifully, and he's talking about God's divine nature that is revealed in creation. Heaven and earth is yours. He speaks abundantly of the glory of God, the immeasurable power of God, the beauty, the majesty of God. And so I wanted to show this to you because Isaiah 40, 12 says that God holds the universe in his hands. He holds the universe in his hands and it's like how, how can we really grasp the infinite measure of who God is so that we rightly see him and as we rightly see him we become like him the more that we see him higher the more that we praise him higher the more that our that that the glory of God within us becomes higher the more that we see becomes wider, and we actually then begin to change cities and nations. So let's play that video. Y'all are going to love this. Oh, you have to read, by the way. There's music, but there's no like narration. Okay, well, I guess we'll stop there. It says that he named each one of those stars, he calls them by name. Isn't that remarkable? And you look at the vastness of his immeasurable glory displayed in the stars, in the skies. And Jesus. The living word spoke all of that into existence. And that continues to unfold. It continues to multiply. It continues to expand. The universe is always expanding. The glory of God cannot be contained. It is infinite. This is the God we serve. This is the God we love. This is the God that we glorify as God. This is the one, when we come in here, this is who we worship. He is the uncreated one who said that not only am I going to make this glorious, beautiful, majestic expression of my love, but I'm going to go down into the most infinite part, and I'm going to, I'm going to, create man. And within him, I'm going to place my glory, the same glory that created what we just saw, the same power that created what we just saw. That is the God that we worship. That is the God that we serve. And he deserves that immeasurable irreverence that we worship you. Oh, it's God. No, You know, when 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 in the in the New Testament, when the writers of the New Testament spoke of God of of Jesus' humanity, they spoke of it in terms of his suffering and the things that he suffered as a man when he came, that they primarily focused on his divinity, his holiness. The seraphim, day and night, stand before the God who in his imagination created the entire universe and he created the cry of your baby's voice. He said, each one of them, I'm gonna give you 100 trillion cells within your body and I have numbered the hairs on your head. I know vastly what is out there and I know infinitely what is inside. I know your emotions. I care about your life. This is the God that we serve. And those seraphim aren't going, hey, can we do something else besides or sit here and say, holy, holy, holy? Because I would really like to go and over there and have pancakes. No, that's not what they say. They, they fall down before him. And they said there is not enough time to worship you the way you deserve to be worshiped but they cry out with everything in them, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And God is moving in his church in this hour and he's looking for a remnant who will get a glimpse of the truth of his glory and who he is so that they can begin to, to have that glory imparted to them and be carriers of that glory, that they will throw everything off and in the place of worship, they will say, I'm going to look at you and you alone. I'm not going to think about my daytimer. I'm not going to think about my, what time I'm having lunch. I'm going to throw it all off and I'm going to give you this time, oh God, because you are worthy for me to gaze at you. Let me gaze at you, God. So as we are speaking and talking and wrestling through the fear of the Lord, I realize that a lot of this is heavy. And I'm going to be covering a vast array of issues that I feel that the American church are struggling with. The fear of the Lord does so much for us. It keeps us safe. It keeps us narrowed and locked in so that we don't fall. That we fully burn and as I always say I haven't come this far to come this far and I want all that he has for me I want to be that person that when I get to heaven they go oh there are books about you I'm not being I'm not trying to be ambitious I am a, I have laid my life down. You are laying your life down. It's like, what do you really want? And so the fear of the Lord, over the next several weeks, I'm like, let's lock and load this thing. Because I want to be shot out of the cannon. I don't want to stay on the earth. You know, I want to fly. So let's Stand. Holy Spirit, I ask. Could you put some worship on, Annie? Holy Spirit, I just ask that this morning. God, I pray for a soberness to come upon your church, God. If you've been inspired by this message, we invite you to partner with us by visiting storehousedallas.com forward slash give.